Welcome to Business and Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Bratzo Pobridge. This episode is sponsored by Life Success Academy, a place where you recreate your business and personal happiness. So welcome, everyone. My guest today is I'm honored to have Lisa Sensen. Lisa is the uh, owner of uh, LV. S Consulting, right? Yes. And it's a small boutique consulting firm that basically helps build the positive and effective organizations. And Lisa does this through a couple of different ways, right? So she does speaking engagements, corporate training, consulting, and coaching. She has achieved so much in this field. And I will, uh, one thing that I definitely want to mention is that she completed her Master of uh, Applied Positive Psychology at the University of Pennsylvania which we all know is really the most prestigious uh, master in positive psychology that you can get. And she was one of the first people to get it and certainly one of the first five Canadians to get it. But even more importantly, I wanna say that when I started getting into the field of positive psychology, I was told there's one person, if you wanna be successful here, there's one person you need to know, that's Lisa Sensen. Never told this to Lisa, but it's true. And she was so supportive. She was one of the first to, I believe, write my a review of my book on Amazon. I do recall beautiful moments. I was a celebrating book lounge on the Jersey Shore, and Lisa was chatting and emailing me back and forth and, and really encouraging and helping me. So again, with that said, I want to welcome Lisa. Thank you so much for coming and uh, really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Brazzo. Those are lovely, lovely words. And no, you never told me that. I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly very intimidated. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is really so true because of, and it's really not only because of your connections, but to me, after all these years knowing you, it's about you being authentic, Lisa. It's not about you know. I got the map and I am such it's always being Lisa being yourself and helping everybody and, and I truly truly, truly appreciate that so so let's start back from you know I believe, I believe 2010 when you graduated from UPenn right and received your master in applied positive psychology and what do you think what was your goal first what was your goal when you were kind of like applying right trying yeah. to get that and then like what was your what did you want to accomplish with that like at the end did you have back in mind, like back then, did you know what do you want to do with it? Uh, I had ideas and yeah. So, so here's kind of the short version of the story and honestly ask me anything about it. I had applied to get into the MAP program because I learned about it through a coaching newsletter somewhere. So I was certified as a coach in I think 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. So I was getting all these coaching newsletters and somewhere in there, I saw this MAP program. I applied to get into their program, got in, had to cancel because I had too much other work going on that conflicted with their schedule. So applied again and was fortunate to get in the next year. So I was in class five of the MAP program. So I was very early in and they're now at like class 15 or 16 or something like that. So I think a lot of what I was able to do in the positive psychology world is just because I was lucky enough to get in early. What brought me into the positive psychology world is, as I say, I was certified as a coach, um, but coaching didn't have a lot of research behind it. And as a new coach, I found myself asking, 
well, why am I doing this thing? Like, how do I know that this is effective? And I was getting told by my mentor coaches and master coaches, oh, just use your intuition. And I thought, well, that's pretty sucky because I am a new coach and I don't think I have coaching intuition. And I don't know if I should always be trusting my intuition. I want the science and the research behind this. So that's why I applied to the MAP program. Fortunate enough to get in, got through the program. I actually wrote my capstone in a totally different area that was of interest to me at the time around parental self-efficacy. And then when I emerged, I really wanted to bring more positive psychology into coaching. You know, I think everyone graduates with this idea, like, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to transform the world. And here I am 10 years later, and I haven't done either of those things. But what I have been able to do is speak a lot more on positive psychology. And I remember starting to speak to some of those early audiences and asking who in the room has heard of positive psychology. And I'd be in front of a room of like 200, 250 people, and maybe one or two hands would go up. I've heard of positive psychology. And one of the great things is now when I ask that question, a lot more hands go up. There are way more books out there, way more TED Talks, way more ways to learn about positive psychology. Um, so the world has been transforming through this wave, and I'm very happy to be part of it. But yeah, essentially, that's what brought me into the MAP program and where I wanted to go out of it. And I've ended up incorporating it into everything that I do, organizational development, leadership development, coaching, speaking, corporate training, like it has just become the foundation of pretty much everything. That's, that, that, that's really amazing. And I you know, want to thank you and some of other folks who helped you know, uh, bring the positive psychology down to the street level, if you will. That's kind of how I call it. You know, how do we, how do we bring it to the street level? Because not everybody can really afford or have an opportunity to go to UPenn and Harvard and so on, right? Well, and I think this is something else that's really important for people to recognize. When I was applying to these programs in 2008, that's all there was, <laughs> you know, there were no certificate programs. There were no online programs. A lot of the other masters that have sprung up around the world, which are all excellent programs, they did not exist. You know, there was sort of like one other one happening at the time, which I hadn't heard of at that point. Um, so now I get a lot of people who approach me and they ask, should I do the MAP program at UPenn? It's very expensive. And I say, yes, it is. It's very expensive. Um, I live in Canada and I was also very fortunate to do it at a time when our dollar was at par with the U.S. Mm -hmm. Now it would be an extra 25% financial penalty for me to do it. So I recognize it's a very expensive program. And there are lots of other great options. You can read books. You can watch TED Talks. None of these existed when I was going through the MAP program. There are online certificate programs which are taught by MAP alumni. They are excellent certificate programs. You have the option of doing other international MAP programs, which are very good MAP programs and not as expensive and, and very different orientations than the UPenn MAP program. So I think now people have a lot more choice to be able to learn about it that I didn't have 12 years ago. So, yeah, that, that's so true. Uh, so what do you think, what would you recommend someone who's really 
you know, I have a lot of students, they are so passionate about helping other people. They're passionate about coaching, Amazing. right? But they say like, uh, how do I get started? You know, how do I establish my credibility if I don't have some of these certificates, right? Is there a way that you would recommend these folks to, 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 to establish that credibility if they're really, really good? I'm not saying just, you know, establish credibility by saying I'm good, but people, you know, that are really, really good and they want to do this. Yeah. I would say if you want to be known as a coach who uses positive psychology, there's a bunch of different ways you can do that. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say just reading books and watching TED Talks is not really sufficient. It's a good start, but it's not really sufficient. And if you are looking for something that's going to distinguish you from other people out there, you probably do want a certificate of some sort. Now, all that to say, there are excellent certificates being run by people on programs like Coursera, edX. They are not that expensive. You know, I don't know, $75, $100 or something, and you can get a certificate. And they're self-paced programs. They're very approachable. Even something like that saying that you have a Coursera or an edX talk um, certificate in a talk that was given by Barbara Fredrickson or Marty Seligman or other really good names that is a good start. The other thing I would say that I know for me goes a long way towards establishing credibility is to be able to write about this in some regular blog post. I see people on Medium. I see people on LinkedIn. Um, people send out their own newsletters. Like Find a platform somewhere and talk about what it is that you are learning in the world of positive psychology. So if you pick up a book, that let's say is 10 years old, but you're reading it for the first time, write about it. Write about what have you learned from learned optimism? What have you learned from the happiness advantage? You know, some of these older books have a lot of great wisdom in them. The happiness hypothesis was my first entry into the field of positive psychology. I go back and reread that all the time. So if it's new to you, write about it and talk about how does that inform your coaching? I think that helps to give the credibility as well. And then the other thing I would say is find local positive psychology associations. So we all know there's the International Positive Psychology Association, but there might also be ones that are specific to your area of the world and sign up for their newsletters. See what you're learning from those experts, from those blogs. Um, stay in touch with the community. Find LinkedIn groups to be a part of, for example. Share the research because at its core, positive psychology is research-based. And we all have a responsibility, I would suggest, to stay in touch with the research and to know as coaches, when are we firmly in the research and when are we out of it? So one of the very first people that I ever saw speak about positive psychology coaching was Robert Biswas-Diener, who I have a lot of admiration and appreciation for. And he was speaking at the very first um, IPA World Congress on Positive Psychology. So IPA is the International Positive Psychology Association. And in, I think, summer 2009, they held their very first World Congress in Philadelphia. And the very first session I ever attended was Robert Biswas-Diener talking about this in coaching. And I remember he was really big on the science, 
but he also did some exercises that were outside the science. And as coaches, we all go outside the science sometimes. You know, I was told to trust my intuition. That's outside the science. The key is to know when you're in the science, when you're fringe science, you know, it's science informed and when you're outside the science. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just, you need to know. And so as a positive psychology coach or someone who wants to bring positive psychology into your coaching, I would just say, find some ways to stay in touch with the community to get really clear on your knowledge of when you're in positive psychology and when you're in something else, all of which can be very effective and write about it, share that and make sure that your audience and your intended audience knows that you're really clear on it. So find your platform, write about it, post a value. And yes, like I do think certificates will help distinguish you from a lot of other people out there who have just read books, who have just watched TED Talks and really are very passive consumers of the information. Thanks, that's, that, that's really great advice, great advice. Just find, find your platform, keep, keep posting, keep writing about it, use the research. But as you said, you know, often as a coach, is we, need to, we need to have that background, but often when in a coaching session, that's not unless you, if, you, you have to decide, is that person interested in research or not? And if not, then you have to just apply the tools. And yeah. And I think as coaches, we decide, am I telling my client that this is research-based or not? Like that's all about your coaching brand and who you are and what yes. you do out there. Um, ultimately, we work in service of our clients. Yes. And so whatever it is we know that works for us and works for our clients, we're gonna go there and be effective. And there are lots of great coaching organizations. You know, People are familiar with the ICF or the Institute of Coaching out of Harvard. Get on their newsletters. You can sign up for newsletters for free. Read what's going on there, pick what works for you. And that helps you establish your credibility and your branding as a coach as well. That's awesome, thanks. So, you know, I was thinking, I was looking what, what you do and I was thinking what my company name is and it's actually High Impact Consulting Coaching and Training. I love it. That's such <laughs> a great name. Thanks. And, and then when I think of what, what LSA, what you do is your structure, it's kind of like similar. It's almost like you have different divisions. So you do yeah. you know, coaching, training, consulting, and speaking, right? So, uh, so I wanted to kind of uh, uh, go over uh, each of this and we like to begin with coaching. And it's really all about, you know, so really helping these you know, new folks, if you will, start a business, if you will, you know, what do yeah. they do? So how, how did you find, if you recall, your first coaching client? And what did you do, you know, to establish your coaching practice? And what do you do now to kind of keep it growing? Yeah. So I think, first of all, it's important for people to know that my company um, was started out of necessity. It's not something I ever really aimed for. So I'm not necessarily a great role model to follow in all of this. Um, the, the short version of the story is I was moving from one city to another, jumping without a net, um, had no job. And so started LVS Consulting just to kind of encapsulate the things that I was doing. So I call myself an accidental solopreneur, never intended to really start this. I met my first coach when I was working and I was full-time employed and sent myself to coaching school after I made this move because I had been petitioning my employer to send me 
And then when I moved and left that job, of course, they're not going to send me anymore. So I sent myself to coaching school. And one of the things that that did is it got me in touch with a network of people. And coaching schools at that time weren't really big in business development. I teach coaching now with Valerie Burton through the CAP Institute, and she has a business building module built into her um, coaching design. So when you take her program, you learn how to build your business. That didn't exist when I went through coaching. So the way I found my first coaching clients was really just like putting the word out there because when you're learning coaching, one of the best things I think you can do is coach anybody about anything. First of all, you need the hours. <laughs> Second of all, you need the experience. But third of all, it helps you to learn more about yourself as a coach and who's your ideal client. So I coached some people on things that I would never, ever take clients on for now. And they were all great people, but I'm not interested in coaching about relationships. I'm not interested in coaching on careers. You know, there's all sorts of way better coaches out there for that. So a lot of just asking, word of mouth, posting on local forums. And if you're going for certification, um, you're allowed to barter, you know, for coaching services that counts as paid coaching, you can charge a buck, you know, that counts like, don't worry about the pricing at the beginning, just get out there and coach. And then when you're doing good work, it starts to sell itself because people will refer you. So leverage your existing network. And I'll say your existing network is probably a lot bigger than you think it is. Like when I work through kind of network diagrams with people, it's like, okay, let's start from the very beginning. Who do you still know from elementary school? Who do you still know from middle school? Who do you still know from high school? What sort of clubs and activities were you involved in then? Who do you still know from middle school band? Do you still play trumpet? Excellent. Who else do you know who plays trumpet? Like just map it all out, do a really big mind map and put it out to your network because people will love to support you. And those who don't want to support you will just ignore it. And that's perfectly fine. So just put things out there and um, yeah, make sure, I mean, the ground rules, right? Make sure you have a professional website, make sure you have a professional LinkedIn. Like those are just table stakes. People will look for you there, but your coaching clients are going to come through your network. Uh, great. You actually covered two things I was about to mention. That is, you know, I have a lot of folks saying, well, you know, should I start free? How much should I charge? How much should I charge for coaching services? Which is such a loaded question, right? It is. And well, what would you say if somebody says, first of all, I think you already said you would recommend them to start coaching anyone, start doing a free or charge bucks so you can you know, use those hours. Get your hours, get your experience. Yeah. Right. And what would you, what would you, how would you answer that question? How much should I charge? Such a difficult, like my rates vary enormously. So first of all, if you do organizational coaching and I work in some organizations, sometimes your rates will be set by your client. Mm -hmm. They will say, we pay $200 an hour for coaching, like it or leave it. Like that's just what you do. Okay, fine. Um, but it also varies by jurisdiction. Like if you are a coach that's in a very rural, remote area, that's going to be a very different price than if you're sitting in Manhattan or LA, for example. If you're coaching senior executives, that's going to be a very different price point than coaching teenagers and high school seniors. 
Um, you know, so you really need to do some market research in your geography and in your client niche to see what is the going market. And then take a look at the qualifications of those coaches and adjust accordingly. If you have more or less years of experience, if you have more or fewer credentials, like it's, it's a little bit of an art. And then most coaches that I know also operate on some sort of sliding needs-based scale. So I would say um, know what your maximum price is, and it's okay if that feels a little high and a little intimidating. It probably should. And then it's okay if you choose to come down from it. Um, so I have a client, for example, who lives overseas, is not earning tons of money, is in a really fascinating position, but I, you know, I'm charging her half my normal rate because that's what she can afford and I love working with her. So just, just make your choices. I wish there was an easy, like you should be charging $251.53 and that's just not possible. You've got to research your market. It's, it's exactly pretty much what I tell everyone. So we are in line. I mean, there's nothing else to, to say. That's really what it is. And we did not discuss this ahead of time. We did not. <laughs> we did not. We did not. Become the Life Success Academy founding member. Go to academyoflifesuccess.com and click on founding member to get 60% off full membership.